0: I am back. This is your host, Sabina Goolsby, with So Mind-Boggling Journeys, and I have Rosalie Paul back here on the show. Hey, Ro.
1: Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Hey, glad
0: to have you back. So this is the first time where we've had a guest return to the show. And the reason why we've done this is because last time Ro was on the show, he was uh, talking a lot about, you know, a specific project that he couldn't talk about, but he was like letting us know how the process went and how, you know, Grady was working on it. He had just gotten back in town from, you know, being on set. And there was all this anticipation and we were just like wondering like, Oh my God, what was the show? What was the show? What was the show? Or the movie rather, not the show, the movie.
1: Correct they called movie the show a lot. You know what I mean? I everyone about oh, what show are you working on? And you're working on a mm. show. But yeah, so we we can call it the mm. show. So
0: so I can it. call it a show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well now, will you let the audience know what that show was that you were working on?
1: Uh so the show was the first purge currently in theaters. Um directed by Gerard McMurray and featuring, you know, an awesome cast that I was humbled to be a part of.
0: Yes, and um, an awesome cast it was, and an awesome job you did. Let me tell you, Ro, on this, uh, in this movie, I, I at, at, when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, after all these years, I feel like I don't really know him. <laughs> That's how great you know. of a job you did. I was Thank like, you. that can't be Ro. Like, that can't be.
1: Thank you, not It just not can't me. be you got to keep a little bit under the surface, you know, and, and then bring it out <laughs> when, when, when the time is right, you know. Um, yeah. And but... this
0: was the time. <laughs> this was the right time. So you are playing the role of Skeletor. Um, and what I want to hear how you describe this character. Because they always say in acting, you should never judge your characters, you know. No, so uh, when you started with this character, like how do, you, how do you describe him? What did you think about him?
1: So Skeletor is... A guy that before you know, I would delve into backstory, or before I would go about um, you know creating the, the the life of my character, I look at his circumstance. And Skeletor is a guy who is looking for opportunity, and I think uh, Purge Night presents him with a unique opportunity, and that opportunity you know is is clearly a, you know one that could better his circumstances. So opportunity is kind of the way into that character for me. And then from there, everything kind of fleshes itself out.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, do you want to give, like, a little brief synopsis about what this opportunity is for uh, all the characters that are in The, pur-
1: the First Purge? Okay, so in, in The First Purge, um, because it's the first, uh, chronologically, it, it's the first purge in, in existence, um, no one knows what to expect. None of these characters have you know been in in contact or encountered uh a circumstance quite like this, so for everyone who's on the fence, you know one way to keep people uh in line with what you, what you want them to do is monetize it uh so this purge is monetized mm-hmm. it is placed um in you know obviously the borough of Staten Island, but specifically targeting uh the projects the park projects in in Staten Island where low income uh I guess, residents are hopeful participants, you know, for the NFFA. And what they do is they say, look, we'll give you $5,000. You decide to stay on Purge Night. That's it. 5000 just for staying, you know, just for staying home or, you know, staying on Staten Island. And then we'll give you added incentive if you participate in Purge Night, if you go out and rob, if you go out and steal. Uh, steal um, whatever it is your illegal act is uh, can give you – The opportunity to earn more money so uh, they place a premium on high crime like so murders is is, there's a premium placed on that and you know you have people who are now left with the decision to say all right well I don't believe morally in this but the financial opportunity is there so I'll stay home and I'll collect my $5,000 for doing nothing um but even for doing nothing you still have to survive so
0: right kind of, absolutely you know, one
1: of the the through lines of the story
0: yeah i watching the movie i was like oh my god like when is it over like <laughs> what was i god yeah hours I
1: mean, Love. It's a
0: lot of hours and there's like a lot <laughs> happening. And then I'm just like, gosh, if I were in that state, I would just be like, oh my gosh, let me just find some place to just hunker down and just wait for the time to um actually, you know, run out. And for a while there, I was like, you know what? And what if it's one of those things where it's like the time actually doesn't run out? You know what I mean? Like it goes hours after it's supposed to end because, you know, how do you know exactly? You know, but but it did end at one point. and And um, I was, you know, well, I won't say that because I don't give away a little bit of the movie. But No, well, you know,
1: I, there's, there's the sirens that have become iconic throughout the Purge franchise, right? And, mm-hmm. like, the sirens let you know when it starts and ends. So those are there for the first time ever. For the first time ever, people hear these sirens. And that lets you know, when the experiment started and when it ended. Um so there's there is that, and then, to your point about people hunkering down, I think people did try to do that. you know um, we have a yeah. pretty poignant scene uh where people people go to a church, you know a place that i, I look yeah. to you know as a place of of safe haven um and there's a scene there you know where 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 people go to the church so uh there I think the same thoughts you have a lot of our car- our our characters have um mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure my family's safe. Um, some characters may say, hey, I want to go, you know, hit an ATM, get some money. You know, I think every thought, like, I think that's what the writing is, serves this film so well. You know, I think James Monaco does a really good job of saying, all right, you know, what haven't we done in other films that people would probably do, Like You know what I'm saying? Like, rude right. acts. There, there, there's people who are just like, man, I'm just an exhibitionist. I want to have sex. Myself. Like You know, like little things where it's like, I'm not really trying to kill anyone, but I can come up on some, on some money, maybe I can rob a store or something like, you know, like maybe I'll do that. So I think everyone had opportunity to kind of be reflected in this purge. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And, you know, James DeMarco, as you mentioned is, or DeMonaco DeMarco. is yeah. the writer in this. And I was really shocked by how, um, how it was, I was like, oh, this isn't just a thriller. This is like a social, sociological thriller here. Like it was very, it touched on a lot of things that are happening now politically and socially that I found very eerie watching it.
1: Yeah, there is this sort of eerie, uh, I guess, merging of the franchise and real world events. Um, and, And that, you know, that's not something you want. You don't want, I think, the news to market your film. I think this, for me, this is best served as a fantasy, as like a, you know, holding up a mirror of like, oh, man, how twisted would that be if society went this way? I don't think it should Mm -hmm. ever uh, come to a point where we're looking at it and it's like, hey, we're looking out a window and this is like what we see in the film is what we see in the streets of of our everyday life. I, I feel like that's not where we want to be. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think James DeMonaco has done a really good job of saying, look, these are the elements of society that are real and also terrifying and just magnifying them. And, and giving them Yes, a kind of and
0: magnifying. Room, right? That's a great way yeah. to say it. Yeah, there was an underlying current of like, wait, this is kind of like paralleling a little bit of reality. But then it was yeah. definitely um, magnified. And then definitely also, you know, some movie elements, definitely thrown in there to, you know, so for it, is, for it to be an actual yeah. movie, you know, And then but, also,
1: um, you got to give credit to uh, Gerard McMurray, who who directed, I think Gerard has a
0: yes. Re-
1: good uh sense of like the pulse of culture and the pulse of society and you know uh giving his characters a kind of freedom to flesh that out and 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 to play and be creative and also just coming to the table with really 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 dope ideas and saying look we're going to speak you know uh we're going to speak to our community we're we're, we're going to you know have things in here that kind of reflect uh who these people of color are and you know the reality of what that circumstance would look like even in this highly fictionized fictionalized version of the purge.
0: Yes. I'm, I'm a fan of his work. I thought he did a very interesting and, you know, job with, uh, the burning fans movie. Yep. Um, yep. and so it was cool to see that. Cause I think he, yeah, cause he wrote the burning fans uh, wrote and directed it. And then they tapped him to direct this. And I thought that was really cool that, you know, yeah, I mean, burning fans is a
1: great film, you know, and mm-hmm. like, once again, it's so specific to a culture, you know, when, when you yeah. have, when you have that, that, Uh, black frat uh, world and you want to be be true to that I think you need someone who is of the culture speaking for the culture so um, yeah Mm -hmm. Gerard was awesome
0: in in that he took a lot of risk and he took a lot of risk in that movie too, that a lot of people you know, they didn't sit well with a lot of people, you know, Greeks, namely, <laughs> um, but to be a great director, you kind of you really have to and he, I see that he took the same risk in the first purge, which is, you know, great to see. Um, and speaking of which, so the cast was a cast of brown people, which was very inspiring. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is like, this, there's a lot of diversity in this film. Um, and that was great. And I know that was great for you to be a part of that. Um, but then that wasn't really about, that wasn't what the film was about. Um, and there were all types of great actors, a lot of young actors. Um, we had, uh, and I don't, his, how did you say his name correctly? Is it Elon Noel?
1: Elon Noel, yeah. Elon. so, e- so you pronounce it. Ilan plays Dimitri. East. Yep. Yes. Dimitri yes. who uh who who leads our film man, and he just he does a fantastic job. You know, like um I feel like if people know him uh from from Insecure, this this presents such a different view of Elon, kind of what he has uh the potential to do. Um mm-hmm. he's an action star, you know. He he <laughs> he literally transformed overnight into like, oh yeah, I know this character, and I, I know this guy. You know, uh, selling drugs in the neighborhood, looks fly, you know, got the nice Mm car into, all right, let me flip this on its head. This guy is going to be a voice for saving the community, for saving the people he cares for, for, you know, kicking ass and taking names, like, like literally a switch, um, and he had it all along, even for the first frame we, we are introduced to Dimitri, you know. Um, it's mm-hmm. really just great to see that kind of evolution in a character on screen. And I think he does he does an amazing job. So uh, I think people are going to be, you know, really, really, really pleasantly surprised. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming, you know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then it was so great to actually see um, Luna Lauren Velez in this. We've yes. seen her. I was. I loved seeing her in this, um, yeah, she, you know, because I know, loved, loved her from, from New York Undercover.
1: Hmm? Yep. I said she's been someone I've been a fan of for a long time. So, yeah, it was, it was great to yeah, obviously meet her and then obviously share the screen is like a dream come true. So <laughs> it's
0: awesome. Absolutely. And there's also uh, Marissa Tomei in this film. And then Definitely. I was really excited to see Steve Harris in the film, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, other new ones. There was uh, Lex Scott Davis, who I thought did a beautiful job. Um, and you have, and you know, you're actually your um, you know, has a very interesting relationship with her.
1: So that yeah. was your. Um, so Lex, uh, Lex, you know, Lex and Lon were, I guess, two of the first people I met on set. I was up there early doing doing makeup tests. So when they came, you know, I, you know, they were two of the first people I met. And just to go on that ride with them and to kind of see everything that they poured into their characters, because they're the, they're the leaders of our film. Uh, everything that they poured into our characters and kind of just into their characters and, and making sure that um, they're what the film needed is just inspiring. You know, I think Lex uh, is such a multifaceted actor. Like, she has so many different tools that she can bring um, to any particular situation. It was fun. It was so much fun just to have the opportunity to work with her um one of our one of our scenes you know we kind of talked about is like our second second conversation ever I think and I was like hey man I have this really crazy idea I want to try and she was just like oh yeah oh yeah definitely let's let's do that you know what I mean and uh, uh she was like if, if it's cool with you it's cool with me that that sort of attitude that willingness to play uh is is mm-hmm. kind of to me uh the mark of 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 a great talent, you know, um, and I, I believe she's, she's that. And it was a lot of fun to to play off her. And I feel like we got some really, really, really cool, cool moments um, that will, that will live on because the film's done. It's, it's out in theaters and, you know, people are, people are enjoying it.
0: Yeah. And how does that feel to be an actor who's worked on, you know, a, a lot of projects, but you would still kind of say you were still, you know, early in your career. Would, when not you say that this is, this is, probably the biggest thing that you've worked on so far?
1: Would Definitely. You say that? Uh I would okay, yes. I would I would say that. Um in terms of reach, in terms of the amount of people who will see this particular work, uh it will be, you know, it's it's to date my 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 biggest uh my biggest production that that I've worked on, it's a studio film. It's the first time I'm working on a studio film. So that that level of excitement is is great. You know, I've never mm-hmm. I've never experienced any anything that comes with that. So You know, it's been it's been great to kind of go through the whole ride and and not miss any steps. Um, You know, doing TV, doing indie film, uh, doing theater in New York is great. And I feel like I I love all that stuff. And this is just another thing where I'm like, oh, my God, this okay, cool. This is good to experience and and fun. And I'm kind of learning as I go. Um, But definitely, to your point, it's my uh, my biggest, I guess, production as far as scale so far.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, and how did this even come to be? Like, was this kind of like just an, an, an average day and you getting an email about, um, hey, we'd like you to audition for this role? Like, or did you not know exactly what you were auditioning for? And it was just like, hey, did, you know, we have this project we're working on. We can't really talk about it, but we'd like to see you for this character. You know, like, how did it how did it first start out?
1: Um, well, when I auditioned for the project, it was called Island Experiment. Um mm. so I was auditioning for Island Experiment. I knew it was a film. Uh so I really didn't I didn't, you know, look too far didn't outside of just I was, yeah, I was I'm auditioning for a film called Island Experiment and there's this character. Uh the characters where I was like, Okay, I know this character so I didn't really think too much about the project at that point. It's just like all right, how do I best show them this character? Um and I started preparing instantly and have, I think, two days um, to to get it. And then I had to present it on a Monday and flew. I was in Oakland. I got the email, visiting family, flew back, uh, had a few hours, you know. Um, I went to a makeup artist that I knew. I said, look, this is a look I need. We had worked on something before where it was a, a similar look to what I wanted. I said, look, this is what I'm looking for for this audition, and I just went in with my version of Skeletor. I said, this is who he is, and I figured the risk was, look, if they're unsure of what Skeletor is, I got them because I'm gonna show them who he is. And if their uh, if if their idea of Skeletor that they already have matches mine, then I'm good either way. So I just knew that you know if I went in and did a good job. Uh, I felt like I would be in in the running. I would be considered. Um, you don't know if you're going to book something or not, but I knew that I could represent myself well. So that's all I was really trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about that is as an actor, they're always like, oh, you know, don't go in with the costume. They'll be so hardcore about what you should not do, all the things you should not do as an actor. And then when you hear these stories, it's always like the person always like took a risk. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, look, this person took a risk and it worked out in their favor. So there really are no rules in this business. You know, the only rule there is is really to kind of listen to yourself and to be creative, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, if you're creative, that's going to – we're in a creative business, right? So you, you never mm-hmm. want to literally just look to your left and your right and say, let me do what they're doing. You kind of want to chart your own lane. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. always going to serve you best because if you're creative, then you innately have the tools you need to be successful. Like That's just what it is. It's a matter of bringing that to the, to the, to the forefront, to the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did, was it hard for you to shake this character? when
1: you were done playing this role? Um, no, I, I knew that this is something I need to focus on uh, intently, you know, in terms of like getting out of, of that mind space, like as soon as it was done. That's not something I wanted. I, I didn't want to stay in that space at all. I knew that going in. So I had, um, I had things that I knew I, I would do daily um, to kind of keep what I needed for the next day, but then also not live in a space, um, live in the space that I was crafting. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel like that would serve me um, as, as a person that I felt like ultimately it wouldn't serve the character as well, because um, he needed a sense of freedom um, every time that I was on set. But I also didn't want to live in the space that created that freedom uh, for me as a person.
0: So when you – after you uh, have this type of an opportunity, right, where to your point you said, um, you know, this is going to uh, – the type of support and the type of reach is, you know, far expanding, how do you then now capitalize on this for your own projects? Because like the last time we talked, you were working on um, a documentary about Jonestown, Right. And sure. so, you know, after something like this, are you like, ooh, okay, now that I have kind of like, you know, this attention, I have people's ears, let me switch gears and kind of start, you know, peppering them with this other project I'm working on? Or do you just live in this moment? And you're like, I'm just going to focus on this right now. I'll come back around to that a little bit later. Like, so how are you navigating your career in terms of your own projects and then like the studio project that you're currently, you know, working on that you're in th- that's in theaters right now?
1: I think... There is no, I guess, right or wrong answer. There is no one way of look, looking at that. I think for me, I always have to keep in mind that, you know, my other projects are my other projects. And, you know, as I continue to do uh, good work, um, hopefully as, as an actor, then I think more people might be just interested in, in who I am and, and what I do. Um, but I don't feel like I'm acting to then be able to do my other, I'm going to do my other projects regardless, you know, mm-hmm. uh, acting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and creating characters is who I am. So I'm, you know, I, I'm, I have no real choice in that. that that's what I, I feel called to do. So I hope to continue just to have opportunities to, to do that at a high level. Um, but in terms of expressing myself through through documentary film or or writing, that's, that's also a part of me. You know, I, I don't think I need one to do the other. And I think we live in the day and age where if we have an idea, we can write it. You know, final draft exists. You can you can put a script together, you can make edits, you can send it out for, for people to give feedback on. If you want to make a documentary film, you can do it on your iPhone, you know, you can mm-hmm. go to you know, go to the source of the story and really kind of just do the thing. Um and then acting. And
0: and then if you don't even have money just yet for the final draft, there's always Celtics, you know, um, that you can yeah. use. a free program, and you can get, you know, some 10 pages together. I mean, together if you have something. more time, you
1: can put it in Word. You know what I mean? Like, you can just look <laughs> at the format of how and just literally put it in Word. Um, right you can write on, on loosely paper. It, it's not a matter of what we have, but it's just a matter of, like, the desire to put our stories down. And I think we need more storytellers in our community just, you know, telling stories, people of color, women, uh, telling stories, um, that are new and fresh and exciting. So I kind of want to just, you know, be able to do my thing, um, as, as an artist, and hopefully those opportunities will continue to come because the one thing you work on a project, you meet people, you know what I mean? Like you're working with, ad's and 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 makeup people and producers and stunt people and you're working with all these different people who are doing their particular craft at the highest level so it's good to know people that that is true um but i never really looked at like my opportunity on my film set uh as like a way to leverage i guess my social capital towards getting other projects made um
0: Mm -hmm. just
1: not the way I I was I was really focused on the opportunity as an actor and uh what that would mean for my acting career
0: yes now this uh documentary I'm really interested uh just to see how this is going to play out because I feel like we haven't seen anything like this from someone like you and your perspective because your so your dad was from Guyana and was he was a pilot correct
1: yeah so my dad still lives in Guyana um I was born in the States, I grew up in Guyana before I lived in Antigua for a few years before ultimately coming back to the States. Uh, My dad has always been based in Guyana and has always been a pilot. So my uh, documentary like like we spoke about before uh, has a lot to do with uh, his, well, a snapshot of one of his experiences as a pilot Um, on November 18th, 1978. Uh, he's just going about his day as he normally would, um, but was called to do a run out of Port Kaituma, which is where uh Jim Jones had established a commune uh that he, you know, named Jonestown. And uh you know, Congressman Leo Ryan had come from the States to visit and just to look in on some of his uh constituents. And you know, my dad was there at that day and uh survived the shooting on the runway that then led to the Jonestown massacres. So mm-hmm. I wanted to tell his story and I wanted to do a good job of telling the stories for uh a lot of the Guyanese perspective. Um, because this happened in Guyana even though a lot of uh those who lost their lives that day and those who were a part of People's Temple were actually American. So, you know, it's something that I just want to do not only for my father, but just for I guess the sake of history just to have a well-rounded perspective of what this story was and who it impacted and how it had a lasting effect.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and we will definitely be looking out for that just because it just sounds fascinating from uh, that perspective. I want to ask you uh, just a couple more questions uh, from you know for our, our actors and our uh, other artists who are listening in or people who want to pursue some sort of art or craft or you know any any type of dream um, because for you. What would you say, um, what would you say, what would you tell your younger self? Now that you are where you are right now, would do you have any, um, do you kind of look back and say, oh, okay, this is what I wish I would have known five years ago or 10 years ago, or this is what I wish I would have um, done, like, you know, differently? What do you feel like you did right in this industry? And what do you think you did maybe not so right in this industry that you've reconciled with yourself now being where you are at this point? In your career do the
1: thing i would i would i would always advise my younger self to do the thing whatever that thing is just do the thing um whether it's you know uh moving to get more opportunity whether it's uh taking on a play even though maybe five people will see it whether it's studying at a specific school to better your craft whatever the thing is that you're on the fence about just do the thing um, because experience is an invaluable asset uh, conquering fear is an invaluable asset. I think a lot of what holds people back in our particular pursuit, um, and I say our because any artist, I think, faces similar challenges, is uh, fear. <laughs> you know, we, we, we fear things because a lot of our pursuit requires things that are outside of the norm. It's not a nine to five. Um, there is no one over your shoulder saying, if you do this and this and this right, you'll get this result. Um, you can do a lot of things right and feel like you're getting nowhere. Uh, you can invest a lot of time in something and still feel like, uh, (laughs) there is no next level in sight, you know, whereas in the nine to five, you may say, all right, in two years, I know I'll be at this position in five years, I'll be at this position. This title comes with this amount of salary. It's like, you don't have that as an artist, but what you do have is a sense of purpose and a sense of fulfillment. And if that's enough for you, then I think you have what you need to go ahead and say, all right, no, I need to do this. This is something I need to do for myself, for, for my functioning as a human in the time that I'm given here. Um, and you figure out how to go from there, because if you need to do it, then just do it. Like, just do that thing. Like do what you need to do to be an actor, to be a musician, to be a writer, whatever the case is, um, just do it. Literally do the thing. I, I would tell myself that repeatedly. Uh I think I always have had a good amount of that. Uh I think that's something that um I've been fortunate to kind of live with. Uh I use my mom as a motivating factor. Like if she were here, I would want her to know that I'm giving my all to it anything that I decided to do. But I feel like she looks over me anyway and sees what I'm doing. So I have that drive to say, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because she's watching. Um, so whatever it is that you need to kind of get yourself to that space, I would advise people to say, yo, no, I'm going to just do the thing. I'm not going to try to be an actor. I am an actor. I'm not going to try to be a musician. I'm going to, you know, play music every night. I'm going to continue to better my craft. You know, I'm, I'm going to be in classes learning from some of the best teachers in New York City. All right. That's what I want to do, because that's going to better me as an actor. I want to be around other talented actors and directors and producers. Um, And then when my opportunity comes, I'll be prepared. So, yeah, do the thing.
0: Wow. Do your thing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ro, for, um, you know, coming back and, you know, giving us a little bit more to, um, you know, bite on with The First Purge, because initially we weren't able to really go deep into it because it was very, like, top secret. And now we know why. Um, So, like you said, The First Purge is in theaters right now. And, uh, you know, let us know again how we can keep up with you on, you know, social media or on a website. You know, where where do you want to direct your fans
1: and audience members? Um, I'm trying to be better about Instagram so R-O-T-I-M-I-P-A-U-L Road to Me Paul is just my full name uh, so I'm at Road to Me Paul on Instagram I'm at uh, Road to Me A Paul R-O-T-I-M-I-A-P-A-U-L on Twitter and my website is www.roadtomeepaul.com so those are probably going to be the best places to, to check out for me um, and I promise to do a better job of putting out content But <laughs> so you know what I'm up to.